Our reading from Exodus 14 continues from verses 15 to 31. And you could entitle this, Don't Just Stand There, Do Something. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went near each other all day long, all night long rather, sorry. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty in driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore and when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Amen. Thank you, Ray. The whole process of setting the Israelites free from Egypt seems to take rather a long time. Is there a definitive point at which they become free from their status as slaves? Was it that moment when Pharaoh told them to get out? And leave the country. Was that the point of liberation? Well, it was certainly a vital development, but it's clear that almost immediately afterwards, Pharaoh regretted his decision and decided to recapture the people and enslave them once again. They were not free yet. 
was at the point at which the people actually crossed the Egyptian border. It's hard to tell, really, when that happens. The account of the people leaving Egypt is almost glossed over. After Pharaoh tells them to go, in Exodus 12, 31 to 32, we read in verse 37 that the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. Presumably, that account of their journey is supposed to tell us that Israel had left the Egyptian delta behind, Ramses being in Egypt, Sukkoth being outside of Egypt. But it's a passing reference in a welter of detail about what the Israelites took with them. Articles of silver and gold and clothing, women and children, flocks and herds, cakes made of unleavened bread. The fact that they've left Egypt behind them and crossed the border seems almost unimportant. It's a strange way of telling the story. Crossing the border out of Egypt is not a watershed moment. There are a couple of references to the Lord bringing his people out of Egypt, but they're buried in a whole series of regulations about who was allowed to keep the Passover festival and the requirement to dedicate every firstborn child and animal to the Lord. And then even though the Israelites have clearly crossed the Egyptian border, they still aren't really free yet because they don't know where they're going. They head first in this direction, then in that direction, never straying too far from the country they've left behind. That's what makes it so easy for the Egyptian army to find them and catch them up. If there is a decisive moment at which the Israelites finally break free from Egyptian domination, it has to be the point at which they cross the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds, whatever body of water that was. That is the moment of transition from slavery to freedom from then. Everything else builds up to this point in time, but this is the point at which, having crossed the Red Sea, they know they are slaves no longer. Why is it so decisive? Because once they've passed through the sea on dry land and the waters flow back into place behind them, two things have happened. The first is that Pharaoh and his chariots have been washed away and the threat of recapture has been neutralised. The second is that in some sense, there's no going back for them. The way behind them is closed. The Lord who parted the waters of the Red Sea to let them through on their way out was not going to part the waters again to let them back. They were irrevocably committed now. The only way was forward. And in some ways, crossing the Red Sea is a picture of baptism. Both acts involve significant quantities of water, though we can't press the analogy too far. After all, these lights were bone dry after they crossed the Red Sea. And Jamie's going to get very wet in a few minutes' time. Yet just as crossing the Red Sea was a decisive moment of transition for the Israelites, so getting baptised is a decisive moment for you, Jamie, tonight. Because there's no turning back after this. Glad to see you shaking, nodding your head. Not everyone can pinpoint the exact moment at which they become a Christian. Some of us can. We can point to an exact date on which we went forward in response to an appeal from the front, maybe at a church service much like this one. For others of us, the precise moment is harder to pin down. We've been reading the Bible and praying and thinking and coming to church, and eventually it dawns on us that somehow, whereas there's one point at which we didn't believe, now somehow we do. But what the point of transition was, we couldn't actually say for certain. But there's nothing vague about the dates in which someone gets baptised. 
Jamie, you will always know that on the 19th of November 2017, you were baptised as a Christian at Brighton Road Baptist Church in Horsham. And just in case you forget the date, I'll give you a certificate on it with, with a date on it to remind you. Because this act of passing through the water is a decisive moment. It is for you and it's decisive for anyone who gets baptised as a profession of personal faith in Christ. It's a bit like buying a house in some ways, a long, involved and complicated process. Even when you sign the contract, you can't quite be sure that it won't all fall through. But when you exchange contracts, then, then you're committed. There's no turning back. This is the point at which you exchange contracts with Jesus. And why is it such a decisive act? Because it's the point at which we make a public declaration of our faith. That's why getting baptised in the bath at home really doesn't do. Up to the point of being baptised, we can put our trust in Christ and nobody knows. Baptism is the point at which we nail our colours to the mast and say, this, this is what I believe. I'm taking my stand on Jesus Christ. From now on, I'm going to make it my aim to follow him. It's where faith comes out into the open and becomes confession. In Romans 10, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And baptism is not whispering quietly in the secret corner of the room, Jesus is Lord. It's saying, in the presence of God's people, Jesus is Lord. It's the first Christian confession of people getting baptised. I've tried inviting people to say it when they come up out of the water sometimes, but they, they cough and splutter because they might have water in their mouth or something. So we're going to sing uh, He's Lord uh, um, as you come up out of the water. But it's a declaration, Jamie, that you are saying Jesus is Lord. That is what this is all about. And if Jesus is Lord, then sin is not Lord. Jesus claims exclusive sovereignty over our lives. In Romans 6, Paul says that we are to count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies so that we obey their evil desires, nor are we to offer the parts of our body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Instead, we offer ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, We offer the parts of our body to God as instruments of righteousness. Sin is not our master anymore because we're not under law, we're under grace. Baptism represents a change of ownership. We are baptised into the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. From now on, we belong to God. Talking about baptism in Romans 6, Tom Wright says we need to do the Mass. I am in Christ And because Christ died to sin, therefore even though sin comes and actually whispers in my ear and shouts at me and leers me and all the rest of it, I can turn around and say, just get lost. I don't belong to you anymore. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not going back to Egypt anymore. Baptism is the point at which we say from now on, I'm putting Jesus in charge of my life. 
doesn't mean to say that from now on I'm going to be perfect, that I'll always get it right. And that doesn't matter because he's promised to forgive me when I fail and when I get it wrong. But from now on, I'm looking to turn my back on slavery to sin and I'm moving forward in a different direction with Jesus as Lord. The Old Testament word for repentance is turning. And from now on, I'm turning to Christ, making him the goal and focus of my life. Paul actually uses quite vivid imagery. We died to sin. All of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were buried with Christ through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too might live a new life. The body of sin has been done away with so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. This is, this is why I'm a Baptist minister rather than an Anglican minister or anything else. Because in baptism, you go into the water as a picture of dying and being buried with Christ and coming up out of the water to live a new life with Jesus in charge. And sprinkling doesn't quite convey the same message. It is a radical liberation, passing through a grave into new life where we've been set free from the people that we once were. Think of the Israelites standing on the shores of the Red Sea, looking at the water, covering the ground over which they'd so recently passed. Somewhere in that expanse of water are the bodies of the Egyptian taskmasters who oppressed them, enslaved them, beat them, made their lives a misery, treated them as objects rather than as people, controlling their lives through a combination of brute force and fear. Those powers that enslaved them are dead and gone. Maybe it was only at this point, as the Israelites saw what had happened to the Egyptians, that they could begin to believe that they really were free. All sorts of challenges and problems lay ahead of them, of course, but basically they were no longer slaves. Now they belonged to God who had loved them, who had promised to take care of them and said he would accompany them every step of the way until they reached their final destination. Jamie, that's true for you. Baptism expresses the truth that your life is under new management. And for that reason, there has been a decisive break with your past and nothing will ever be the same again. But let me warn you, it's not going to be easy. You know that already. Before they crossed the Red Sea, the Israelites were definitely having second thoughts. It would have been far easier and far less scary to stay as slaves in Egypt. It feels a lot safer to stay with what we know. Putting our lives into God's hands, handing control over to him, is a real step of faith. It's a step into the unknown. It's a lot easier to bottle out and maintain the status quo, because we know what we like, and we like what we know. But Jesus Christ offers us change. Freedom in place of slavery. Purpose instead of pointlessness. A sense of direction instead of being stuck helplessly where we are. A chance to exchange a sense of worthlessness for the assurance that we belong to a God who values and loves us and has proved that by giving his son to redeem us. It's like a step into the unknown, but it's a step into the presence of God who has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. It is about trusting him for the future. 
God offered the Israelites a change. He promised he would set them free and give them a new life. They had to believe the good news Moses brought them and follow his leadership. It's the same for us. Jesus offers us new life. Calls us to believe the good news. Invites us to accept his leadership and to follow him. Maybe you've been weighing up for a while where you stand wondering whether that's something you ought to do. Brought up as a Christian perhaps, but never really decided actually in my own right, I'm going to follow Jesus now. Or maybe, you know, you've experimented with faith over the years and maybe now's the time to say, actually, yes, I'm going to go for it now. Or maybe you've come from right outside the Christian fold and you just realise actually that the Christian way of life is right for me. And I need to commit my life to Jesus for the very first time. Baptism is a way of saying I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And maybe Jesus is calling you to make a step of faith or commitment tonight. Maybe he's calling you to get baptised, to nail your colours to the mast and say, yes, I'm up for this. Jesus gave his life for me. I'm going to get baptised as a sign. I'm going to give my life to him and live my life for him. I became a Christian at baptism service and I went forward at the end and and the man said, why have you come? And I I was thinking, I would say something like, because I I think I ought to be baptised. And what came out was, I think I need to become a Christian, which was a bit of a surprise to me, but it's absolutely what needed to happen. And you may not quite know what you're being called to do, but if Jesus is calling you, you need to make a response. And if there's a sense which Jesus is calling you to take a step of faith or commitment to him, have a word with me or with the prayer team. I'm not sure where they're meeting tonight because the baptistry is where they usually meet. Have a word with the prayer team before you go. And they would love to pray with you. If you're not sure what this is all about, ask me for a little booklet, Knowing God Personally, which explains simply and clearly what it means to be a Christian. But don't go until you've sorted out whatever it is that God is calling you to do tonight. So where are you tonight? Are you stuck in Egypt, stuck in the land of slavery? That's not where God wants you to be. Are you wandering around on the edge of Egypt, on the edge of commitment, not sure whether to stay put, go back or move on? That's not where God wants you to be. God wants you on the other side of the Red Sea. Someone who has been liberated from everything that oppresses you and has made your life a misery. He wants you to be someone who knows that your days of slavery are over. The break has happened. You've been set free. Tough times ahead, but God will be there for you and with you. And from now on, you belong to Jesus, the Son of God who promised, if the Son sets you free, You will be free indeed. Someone believes it. That's good to know. The decisive break. For Jamie's baptism, saying, yes, it's a step I've taken and I'm letting my colours to the mast. Whatever step Jesus is calling you to take tonight, don't leave without making it and responding to his call.